Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. This is Radio Maria and a very warm welcome to Just Life. My name's Edmund Zengeni and I'm set here in our studios here in Cambridge with a very dear friend from the lay Dominican fraternity here in Cambridge. It's Louis Busutel, a recently retired operational researcher, a statistician and mathematician who applied his work in the airline industry and uh, who's recently retired, which is great. Welcome. Thank you, Eddie. Great to be back. Yeah, no, it's lovely to have you back. This is your second time here now in the studio. Absolutely. Last week, I was uh, happy to be here saying the rosary with you on a Thursday, which is uh, my favourite set of mysteries, the luminous mysteries of George Precker, which I'd like to talk about later. That's right. I remember. I remember. Yeah, so you got your first little taste of radio. Absolutely. As you can see, I was grooming you. I love you. it. And now, now I'm hooked. <laughs> now, <laughs> just try and keep me away. Exactly. He's one of us now. Great. Well, um, me and Louis met, uh, how many months ago now? Oh, uh, this year, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Maybe beginning of this yeah. year and um, through the uh, lay Dominican fraternity, which we'll be speaking about also later on in this programme. But uh, Louis, he's who just retired, literally. How long, how long ago was it now? Well, I... I've only just started um, this month drawing my state pension. <laughs> so I'm a poor old pensioner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got my violin out here. <laughs> so great. So you've got this time on your hands now to come in here to the radio and... Uh... Actually, the, the, the time on my hands is to uh, study theology. So uh, everything I've studied in the past has been very much about the, the material world, about uh, money and about numbers and about profit. Uh, and uh, I had very little time for um, uh, thinking about God. Mm. And, uh, and now I'm finding uh, my new interest in theology um, fired up by the lay Dominicans, uh, really fulfilling, Great. really enjoying it. In fact, yeah, I always often wondered that in the time we've met, you being a mathematician working in the, you know, the world of finance and business and, you know, and profits and stuff, um, how you kind of reconcile the two. Well, there, Which was, is interesting, there you know? was no reconciliation, really. While I was um, uh, working in the airline industry, my focus was really on profit, on how to squeeze every last cent out of every flight. So uh, I was interested in a subject called revenue management, which is basically about pricing, airline pricing, um, and uh, how to uh, price the uh, seats of each and every flight optimally in order to make the most profit for each flight. So you were predicting the market as well? Yes, forecasting was part of it. So um, it would depend on the route, on the day of week, on the time of day. And uh, we would try and forecast how many passengers would uh, turn up if they were offered a price of so much. And then given um, all of those forecasts uh, at, price, at different prices, optimising the flight to divide up the cake and make the most money possible for each and every flight departure. Wow, great. I've always been fascinated by Catholics, um, devout Catholics, who come from that kind of mathematical scientific background. I'm more of a, 
of an artistic person myself, and um, that's sort of easier to understand how they reconcile. But I've always been fascinated in the the arguments for the existence of God, um, the reliability of the Gospels, perhaps through statistics and uh, well, I, and hard facts. I got into this through um, Thomas Aquinas, who uh, offers um, a very reasoned, rational. Uh, logical account for um, uh, arguing the existence of God. And that's what really, really drew me in, Thomas Aquinas. And uh, he happened to be a Dominican, and I got interested in the Dominicans, and I've ended up a lay Dominican with you, Eddie. That's right, yeah. We got our stripes together the we same weekend. We got our stripes together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, brothers in arms. Great. Well, look, we're going to speak about the Dominicans and uh, the fraternity and also Thomas Aquinas and your interest in theology a bit later on in the show. But before we get there, let's um, let's bring it back. So you're from Malta, a very interesting place indeed. Yeah. Set right there in the heart of the Mediterranean, the crossroads of ancient civilizations yeah. from Africa, Europe, Asia. Um, Has been and still is. And still is. Yes. And still is. So I'm, I mean, I used to live in Italy, as you know, Sicily was the furthest I closest i got to um malta i know there's there's similarities in the architecture and the, yeah. the way of life and everything yeah. like that but i've never been to malta but i've heard many good things about it and also it's got quite a history oh, when it yes. comes to christianity especially oh, uh yes our man saint paul well saint paul famously was shipwrecked on the island of malta uh it's described in the acts of the apostles um in uh, about ad 60 um, he was on his way from uh, Caesarea uh, in modern-day Israel to Rome to stand trial, uh, and his ship was uh, shipwrecked on Malta. Um, he was forced to overwinter on the islands, uh, and in the process of doing so, in the process of uh, a few months, he uh, converted the, uh, uh, the Maltese pagans to Christianity, uh, he um, he converted their um, leader, their chieftain, uh, a man called Publius, uh, to being the uh, first Maltese bishop. And we've got an apostolic succession from St. Paul to Publius through all the Maltese bishops to the present day. So That's... Roman Catholicism is very important to Maltese culture. That's insane. He converted the island almost unwittingly because yes. he was on his way to Rome yes. right but he got shipwrecked and in as, Malta and as a low status prisoner so uh, he was a prisoner of the Romans and uh, he converted these guys and got the the top man uh, uh, to uh, to to lead the first Maltese community right. Christian community and henceforth the domino effect yeah absolutely and Publius is now a saint so he's um, uh, one of uh, a number of Maltese saints, which um, uh, uh, the, 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 we we have uh, Publius as uh, we have Saint Paul as a, uh, a patron saint of Malta, also Saint Agatha, who uh, came from Sicily, Saint Agatha of Sicily. Of course, yeah. But uh, there was a time during the persecution in um, Sicily that. Um, uh, she took refuge in Malta um, in the third century, the third century, yeah. and uh, did uh, a lot of uh, catechesis with the the Maltese, and the Maltese remember her uh, as a as a, also a patron saint. We also have uh, Publius, who was made a saint, and uh, more recently, in two thousand and seven, um, George Preca, uh, who was a, a Maltese priest. Um, coincidentally, from the uh, the parish which was my first Maltese home, Hanroon, um, uh, has also been made a saint. But we'll talk about him a bit later. He's the um, uh, he he was the the person behind the luminous mysteries that we say in our our Thursday rosaries, right, which we prayed last Thursday which together. We prayed last Thursday. Wow! Together. So it's a real jewel in the crown of um, Catholicism and Mediterranean Absolutely. history. It's soaked in that um, With, that tradition. Very proud, very proud of our Catholic history. Um, in 2060, if I'm still alive, uh, we'll be celebrating the uh, 2000 years of uh, Maltese Catholicism um, through uh, the, with the uh, the visit of uh, Paul in AD 60. Wow, I imagine you must have some 
beautiful churches there in, uh, in Malta. We do. We famously have over 365 churches, one right. for every yeah. day of the year, um, and uh, for, for a population of 400,000. Um, Malta, however, if you were to visit it, you'd think, oh, this is a lot more than 400,000. There's over a million um, tourist arrivals every year. So uh, the, the majority of people you'll see on your visit to Malta are tourists. But the indigenous Maltese who live there um, are still, um, to, to a large part, very devout Catholics. Right, okay. So the faith, I was going to ask you that, the faith is still alive on the island. The faith is still alive and strong. It's declining, as it is everywhere, so mm -hmm. church attendance is dropping. Um, but uh, it's still very strong in Malta. Great. And in the Acts of the Apostles, going back to St. Paul and his experience in Malta, how much is written about the, this, his time there? Um, there's only um, a couple of chapters, there's only a couple of uh, paragraphs in, in the Bible, but, um, he, um, uh, but Luke uh, describes um, uh, Paul's experience of the island, uh, finding uh, uh, the Maltese to be uh, very hospitable, warm, welcoming people, which uh, they still are, mm. and um, hospitality is a uh, a big part of our um, uh, our business. I mean, we're uh, we're in the hospitality industry. Um, uh, a quarter of our GDP comes from tourism. Uh, so every family in Malta um, will have somebody who works in the tourist trade, either working in a hotel or a restaurant or uh, driving a taxi or something. Um, so um, the, the hospitality and welcoming uh, foreigners, welcoming strangers. Uh, is still uh, a big part of, of our industry. Great. Well, there's two other things I'd like to ask about uh, Malta that I'm curious about. Is Number one, the, the, the roots of the language, because I know it's a very particular language. Does it have a Latin root to it? Is there a North African influence, perhaps? Or Yeah, it's uh, if, you, if you can imagine a mixture of um, Italian and Arabic, right. that's pretty close to So similar to Sicilian, because... Uh, similar, very similar yeah, to Sicilian. So, and in fact, our, um, our culture and our um, cuisine is very much Sicilian. And we were once part of the island of Sicily by a land bridge, which is now underwater, uh, we've got cart ruts in uh, Malta that, that go off into the sea and continue underwater uh, towards Sicily. Um, so we were once part of the Sicilian mainland and uh, uh, our um, ethnic origins are Sicilian. Um, we were uh, conquered by the uh, Arabs uh, who left a lot of their um, uh, language behind uh, after uh, we were then... Um, uh, taken over by the Knights of the Order of St. John. You've, you've heard of the Knights of Malta. Mm. Um, during the, uh, the the wars with the Turks, they were driven out of uh, their base in Rhodes and they established um, Malta as their new base, um, which I believe was a gift of the King of Sicily. So you see the Sicilian connection again, yeah. come back. Um, and um, we withstood a famous siege against the Turks, um, it, and uh, and Malta has uh, has been independent uh, uh, since, albeit part of uh, for 150 years was part of the British Empire. Which is going to be my second question. Yeah, my curiosity there: the relationship with um, with Britain and uh, and the Empire. A very strong relationship with the UK. Um, uh, Malta, uh, during the, the Second War, um, we had our second siege, which was uh, aerial bombardment um, uh, during the Second World War. Um, and as part of the British Empire, we were uh, helped by the, uh, by the British to overcome that. Um, we, the the uh, supply of Malta, because we, um, we don't grow enough crops to feed ourselves, was dependent on the uh, British Merchant Navy uh, bringing uh, food into Malta. And uh, again, just like I said, uh, every family has got someone who works in the tourism industry. Every family has got someone who is British. Um, so by marriage, typically, we have uh, 
uh, Maltese boys who uh, went to the UK and married English girls. And uh, we've got uh, English men, uh, often through the armed forces, the uh, Arm Army, Navy and Air Force, who were stationed in Malta, who uh, ended up marrying Maltese girls. So we're literally family with the Brits. And uh, you'll find that there's, there's still, to this day, a very good reception that um, uh, British tourist um, arrivals in Malta will, will experience. Um, Brit UK English is also an official language of Malta. So Malta has two official languages, Maltese, which is this uh, funny mix-up of um, uh, Arabic and uh, European languages, and English. So English is an official language. Um, you have to learn it at school. Uh, and everyone in uh, uh, Malta speaks English. So you'll feel very much at home if ever you go on a, a holiday to Malta. Great, great. It sounds like a fascinating place, Louis. And um, I'm curious, can I hear a little bit of Maltese? How do you say, hi, my name's uh, Louis. How are you doing today? Bonjour. Yena Luigi. Kiffint. Wow. So we, 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 again, you see the Italian influence that uh, my baby name was Ouija, or right. Ouija for short. Yeah, like Luigi. Short, for, short yeah. for Luigi. So it's kind of like the Italian version. But uh, nowadays I go by the, uh, uh, the French uh, version of Louis. Right. Right. Great. Fascinating. Well, here we are. This is Radio Maria. You're listening to Just Life this afternoon. And we're sit here, sat here with Louis Busutil, who's been telling us about the history of his beautiful island of Malta, the Catholic history that uh, the relationship has had with the United Kingdom and the rest of the world. And Louis, you've chosen a song for us this morning. What uh, what have you got here? Can you tell our listeners? Well, I was hoping you could find me um, Joseph Calleja, the Maltese singer singing Ave Maria. Uh, but uh, you, you've got a, a, another equally good singer to sing Ave Maria for us. Okay, here we go. This is Radio Maria. A very warm welcome back. That was Ave Maria, chosen here by our guest, 
Louis Basutil, who's been sat here this morning with me and given us a very fascinating insight to his home, his uh, beautiful island of Malta. Now, um, such a wonderful song that, Ave Maria, and very appropriate for um, Radio Maria. And can you tell us why you chose that song? Well, I do, like many Dominicans, have a, a special devotion to Our Lady. And uh, I like to say the rosary. And it was a, a real pleasure uh, being with you last Thursday and saying the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the Luminous Mysteries rosary. Uh, I think um, the, saying the rosary um, uh, has, a, has a calming meditative effect. And uh, it's only right that we should uh, honour Our Lady in this way. I, I recently visited um, uh, Fatima in Portugal. Right. And uh, uh, I, I went there on a sort of short pilgrimage with my wife. It was uh, um, really interesting to uh, just to see the, the simplicity uh, of... Uh, the life of the, the the people there, the fact that uh, Our Lady um, chose uh, not important people like sort of kings and philosophers or whatever uh, to appear to, but uh, three um, shepherd children, and uh, I, I I found it a very experience, a, a very um, uh, enlightening um, uh, visit. It was uh, I'd, I'd recommend a visit to to Fatima if you've never been there. No, I haven't. And it's certainly on my wish list. I'd like to take the kids there and uh, perhaps we might go in half term, God willing. Um, but it's also, it's been one of those um, sanctuaries uh, where our ladies appear that I've always been attracted to. I think everyone's got their favourite Marian shrine yes. around the world. And uh, fortunately, she's been in numerous places and in numerous times throughout the centuries and but Fatima has always always been attracted to to that one I'm not sure why I just think the, I think the message and the I think what I understood from Fatima when I read a book on it is how important we are as human as Christians to pray for you know lead all souls to heaven especially those most in need of thy mercy as Absolutely. as the prayer goes that she yeah. told the shepherds yes. to pray so yeah. I really had to up my game when I when I I finally understood that and that the, the light went on in my mind and said, hey, you know, you're part of this this battle against, you know, good and evil. And you, the, Our Lady needs, we don't just need to pray to her for us, but she needs us to pray for others. Absolutely. And that's really when I thought, okay, this is a game changer. You'll love it there. It's um, easy to get to from Lisbon. There's a, a bus service that uh, that goes from Lisbon. Um, and uh, that there are plenty of places to to stay there, but uh, the 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 pleasure for me of going there was just a, a simple walk um, through the fields where the uh, apparitions occurred, and uh, seeing the homes of the uh, shepherd children, uh, which are still very well preserved and uh, well worth a visit. Mm. There's a Dominican priory there, you know. Ah. I, I should have gone. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> friend of mine told me that. Um, great, great. So tell us how you ended up. Um, be, oh, before that, I wanted to ask uh, uh, concerning the rosary. Excuse me. Um, how popular is that in Malta? Oh, very popular. I would yes, imagine but, it is. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, and we've got um, uh, a special um, devotion in Malta to uh, Santa Anna, uh, the mother of Mary. Um, uh, in fact, if uh, uh, people looking up at the the night sky and looking at the the Milky the Milky Way galaxy in Maltese. The uh, uh, the name for the Milky Way galaxy is uh, the Way of Santa Anna. Right. So um, yeah, strong interest in Santa Anna. Strong interest in uh, in the Virgin Mary. Right. Great. Are there any particular Maltese twists that you have on uh, Catholicism? But you know, you might get. Like Ireland's got its ways of doing things, perhaps, and uh, Italy has got its ways of doing things. England has. Are there any things that are particular that belong? Would you say to uh, that's a Maltese Catholic there? Well, I think um, community and hospitality mingled with Catholicism would be the um, uh, the Maltese way. So um, 
uh, in a Maltese parish, there'd be a, a strong emphasis, not only on uh, attending Mass, as, as you'd expect, but um, but also on um, social get-togethers. I mean, just simple things like um, having a meal together. Um, uh, these these would be uh, often organised um, by the parish priest. Um, they'd see that as an important part of their function of uh, bringing together in community um, just for um, simple fellowship with uh, one another. So um, I think that's the the Maltese character right. of Catholicism, I right. would say. Okay. You, I can see you speak very fondly of your country and your your upbringing being immersed in that Mediterranean Catholic uh, milieu. Yes, well, um, I was baptised in Malta. I did my first confession in Malta, my first Holy Communion mm. in Malta. I, I was then confirmed in England by then. My uh, education had become uh, uh, English and... Um, I, uh, I I lost my uh, Maltese accent. In fact, I, I now speak Maltese with an English accent, and my uh, Maltese family and friends say, "Ah, get out of here! You're not you're not a real Maltese." Right? They think you are blowing, do they? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. I've uh, uh, I, I I I really my education really was uh, mainly English. So uh, I studied at. Uh, uh, at English uh, universities and uh, and 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 worked in uh, the in, for for a British airline, British Airways, um, in, at Heathrow, uh, before moving to um, Cathay Pacific in Hong Kong, uh, and then after that, I, I became an independent consultant and uh, travelled around the world and uh, visited visited over a hundred countries. Um, uh, applying my trade as a, a revenue manager, which right. is uh, revenue management is, is what we call this process of dynamic pricing to maximise revenue. And very briefly, and in your career, with, like I said, we just know we, you've just retired, so you've just come to the end of the career, let's say, and you've got the new, the new one now of a, of a theologian. But uh, in your career, um, you must have seen a lot of changes, technological changes. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Price changes. Absolutely. Um, well, w when I started at British Airways, there, there was a lot of emphasis on um, uh, on, on human expertise. On, uh, For example, um, uh, I remember interviewing um, a woman who'd, married, who'd uh, managed um, London, Paris for years, and she was a real expert on the Paris market. And... Uh, uh, what we were trying to do um, with her was to capture her knowledge in uh, what used to be called uh, an expert system, a knowledge-based system, as a sort of a early form of uh, artificial intelligence, trying to represent her knowledge through if-then-else rules in computer code. Um, and that quickly got taken over by a more mathematical view that there was actually... Um, uh, an optimal solution. There was a right answer. This wasn't um, uh, down to individual um, opinion about what was going to happen into a particular market, but uh, markets were forecastable and optimizable. Right. right. So that was the that was the real change in character of revenue management, and and, and overlaid on that was the uh, the rapid development of technology. So uh, computers. Uh, uh, were becoming uh, more powerful and cheaper and able to process uh, much more information. Mm. And so the um, the whole process became much more computerised. Mm. Well, picking up on the AI that you mentioned, do you think that's going to be a big game changer in your field? Well, um, I think it's going to be a big game changer for the world, actually. I, I'm, um, I, I have some um, concerns about uh, AI and where AI is going. Um, particularly the the new um, generative AIs that um, are not so much based on um, uh, human expertise as the old ones used to be, the sort of specific AIs for uh, medicine or finance or, or whatever, but AIs that um, are based on um, uh, on simulation. Uh, of the world and trying out different things and seeing what works and discovering for themselves uh, the best way to solve particular problems. We're, we're already at a stage where um, any 
problem that can be conceived of as a game uh can is is um is is mastered by ai i mean uh, uh, the world chess champion is a computer the world go champion is a computer uh increasingly um uh things that that can be thought of as a as as a game where you have a particular objective and in the the case of my former work um uh treating airline pricing as a game uh, with a view to maximizing profit is 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 certainly in that in that area mm. um is uh, is 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 going to be taken over by ai and we're seeing this in some worrying trends um uh in the military for example where um uh the 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 piloting of uh, pilotless planes uh fighter aircraft for example um, is increasingly being um, becoming AI dominated. Um, the uh, we'll see in our lifetimes uh, pilotless um, uh, cars. Uh, so cars on the road again, treating it as a game. I have to get from A to B uh, without uh, running anyone over or crashing the the car or exceeding speed limits or whatever. Uh, what's what's the best way of solving this? Mm. Um, uh, AIs are um, uh, already simulating uh, uh, millions and millions of, of different scenarios to the point where uh, uh, they will soon be better drivers of cars than we are, better pilots of aircraft than than we are, um, in the way that uh, they're already better uh, at playing games like chess and Go. Wow. Wow. So the times they are are changing. Absolutely. Right. Okay. okay. Sounds like a cue for a song, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to look for a bit of Bob Dylan, but I couldn't find it. But I do have another favourite of mine, Johnny Cash. It's my little um, guilty secret is the country music, because I was over in Nashville doing uh, doing some recordings. and uh, Oh, lovely. My wife and I fell in love with a bit of country music when we were off um, out listening to a bit. So... We've got one here. It's got a Christian slant to it because um, he was a Christian. And this was called Gospel Boogie. Everybody's going to have religion and glory. Everybody's going to be a singing a story. Everybody's going to have a wonderful time up there. Oh, glory, how to do it. Brother, there's a reckoning in the coming in the morning. Better get you ready because I'm giving you the warning. Everybody's going to have a wonderful time up there. Well, you listen, everybody, cause I'm talking to you. Jesus is the only one can carry you through. Better get you ready for I'm telling you why. The Lord isn't coming from his throne on high. Many are the weary and alone and sad. Gonna wish they hadn't done the things they had. How you gonna feel about the things he'll say, brother, on that judgment day? Everybody's gonna have religion and glory. Everybody's gonna be a singing a story. Everybody's gonna have a wonderful time up there. Glory, hallelujah, brother, there's a reckoning to coming in the morning. Better get you ready, cause I'm giving you the warning. Everybody's gonna have a wonderful time up there. Well, you listen here, my sister, I'm not leaving you out. You're not a preacher, but you sing and shout. Why do you worry if you've been redeemed? Heaven's even better than a miser dreamed. Think about the trouble you could save some soul. Tell them what to do to reach the shining gold. Surely you could show them how to find the light and to make the whole thing. Oh, hallelujah and praise the Lord. There you go. Johnny Cash and a wonderful time up there. Nice. Bit of boogie-woogie? Yeah, a bit of gospel. That's right. I like a bit of that. You know, they're mixing the genres together. Absolutely. Mm, yeah, no, he was um, he was well into his gospel, um, Johnny Cash. Great. And a man of the Bible as well. Speaking of which... Um, yeah, I've, I've um, become uh, interested in um, uh, recent years in studying the Bible more seriously i mean I, I was always aware of the bible um uh and i knew it was kind of an important book and i ought to read it and so on uh but um i i never really got into a, a serious study of the bible and uh, what i've been doing um uh in recently is uh, attending uh, bible study classes with uh, a number of different organizations in my town so i'm um, i live in mildenhall which is just across the border in uh, west suffolk and uh, i found there are very good um 
Bible study classes run by uh, Methodists, Baptists, Anglicans, Lutherans. Uh, and I always think um, I can I can learn a lot in a Bible study if I'm if I'm if I'm studying with people who know more about the Bible than I do. Sure. And um, and so um, although they're uh, they're not Catholic organisations, I'm I'm never nevertheless getting a lot out of uh, uh, Bible study with these groups. So how long have you been doing these courses? Um, I've they're not sort of formal courses. They're more more about sort of gathering together around someone's house and uh uh picking a, a theme and um and uh, and 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 uh, picking a subject and dipping into the bible together led by someone who's given it a bit of advanced thought and has a uh, a bit of structure to it but it, but they're not um they're not sort of official courses i am interested um in um undergoing some um uh, more structured study uh, not only of uh, the Bible, but uh, also of uh, of theology, uh, and so um, I, I've been I've been looking recently at uh, a course I might pick up on next year. Um, so uh, I've, I've that's a, a bachelor's degree in uh, divinity. Great with. Um, uh, the, with Mary Vale, the um, yep. the the Catholic um, uh, study centre um, that's uh, that that's properly endorsed by uh, the Catholic Church. So I I know I'm getting uh, Catholic theology and not sort of mixing up with uh, other theologies, but um, I've I've certainly enjoyed studying um, the Bible with non-Catholics. It's um, uh, it's a big, important book. There's there's a lot there, a lot of uh, hyperlinks. Uh, there's a lot to think about, and uh, uh, I could um, quite uh, easily spend the rest of my life uh, getting deeper into uh, uh, improving my knowledge of the Bible. Right. When you were busy working, travelling the world, maximising profit margins for these big companies and stuff yeah. and stuff. What was your relationship to theology back then? Well, I, um, if you'd have asked me back then, I'd have said, um, I'd have probably acknowledged that the, uh, the Bible was an important book and uh, had a big influence on our culture. Uh, but beyond that, I, uh, I, I wouldn't have expressed any uh, particular interest in actually reading it and studying it. Um, and uh, as for theology... Uh, it 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 kind of flew over my head. I mean, I I, I thought, well, you know, I've got no way of knowing uh, uh, whether God exists. That's not uh, a tangible, real uh, thing for me in the way that uh, a price of an airline seat is a, a tangible, real thing for me. And it wasn't really um, uh, on my radar. But um, since becoming interested in theology and particularly since uh bumping into saint thomas aquinas and his uh proofs for the existence of god um that was what got me into it and it, it wasn't a i mean people sometimes talk about um uh, a religious experience or something emotional or um, faith-based or whatever mm. i mean for me as a mathematician mm. it was um uh, very much a rational um, uh, way of thinking, mm. and uh, I thought, oh yeah, this um, this makes sense. And uh, the Bible, yeah, I, I really ought to study it. And um, uh, and the uh, the the link with the Dominicans came through um, uh, the Thomistic um, Studies organization, which our um, uh, in in. Cambridge, our sister uh, Magdalene uh, is involved in, and I saw that she was uh, teaching a course um, up in Stonyhurst, um, the Christian Heritage Centre, last year, which I attended, and uh, found it very interesting, all about St Thomas Aquinas. And um, at that course, I met uh, a man who turns out was the uh, uh, the treasurer of the uh, the lay Dominicans, uh, who said to me, uh, "Oh well, you know, maybe you should consider joining the lay Dominicans." I, I told him I, I was interested in uh, in study, 
uh, and uh, he said, your local one is Cambridge. So he put me in contact with uh, Jill Gunsell, and uh, that's how I started coming to Lay Dominican meetings where I met you, Eddie. Great. How about that? And a simple twist of fate. Yeah. That's right. Here we are. Here we are. So what was it that attracted you to uh, Aquinas so much? Well, the, I mean, first of all, I'm deeply impressed by um, the scope and scale of his writings. I mean, his um, Summa Theologica um, uh, covers a, a really encyclopedic uh, range of, uh, uh, of of different articles. It was a huge uh, uh, achievement for him to publish to publish that book, um, and his. Um, uh, his proof of the existence of God, he had five proofs. The the one that uh, really resonated with me was the, um, uh, the, the third proof by contingency, uh, which gets into sort of why, why does anything exist? Why is anything here? Um, and uh, that um, really got me started on St. Thomas and hooked on St. Thomas uh, to the point where... Um, we all have uh, religious names in the lay Dominicans. My the lay Dominican name I chose for myself was Thomas. Right. So not because I think I'm a theological genius the way that uh, Thomas Aquinas was, uh, but simply that um, I think he's bringing me closer to God, closer to Christ, and um, the, through um, I, he found for me a um, a rational weigh in uh without having to um uh to 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 to, to be overly uh, uh emotional or mm, uh, sure. uh faith based about yeah. it. It, um, it it for me it makes sense and um the the existence of god makes sense and if if you believe that god exists then that has implications for how you live your life um and the um christian uh, message makes sense, and if you're interested in uh, uh, the 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 fact that um, uh, there there is a, a an apostolic chain of succession all the way from Saint Peter to our present Pope, you have to take the Catholic um, version of Christianity very seriously. And uh, to my mind, uh, Catholicism makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you heard it here, folks, here on Radio Maria. We're speaking to Louis Basutel here about his faith journey. And uh, it's wonderful the way you've um, fused your Maltese Catholicism together with this uh, Thomistic outlook. Absolutely. Yeah, they're two big, big influences mm. on me. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's got their own way of finding the faith. It could be a rational, cerebral process it could be a mystical experience it could be a tragedy god forbid um uh or you could just be lucky and be just be born into it and yeah. um yeah i mean i grew up with the dominicans so i don't really know anything different i've been going to blackfire since i was about four years old so i kind of grew up in the in that tradition and um every time i went away it was mm, yeah it's not quite the same thing you know when i go to yeah. another church somewhere else when i was in london at university um so, so when I went to Rome, which was great, it was um, pretty easy to, to track down the Dominican churches and the headquarters in Santa Sabina. And um, I'd stay in touch with the Dominican priests who were over there working maybe maybe at the Angelicum and other places. So I always kept the the cycle, the connection with them. And um, yeah, then we moved back to Cambridge and um, here I am, sat here as a lay Dominican with yourself. So explain to our listeners what is a lay Dominican. So with third order, we've got the priests, right? We've got the priests. We've got the uh, the nuns and the sisters. That's right. Uh, who are so the nuns are, um, uh, are, are are cloistered. You can think of them as cloistered and praying and sort of withdrawn from the world in a sense. Uh, whereas the sisters um, uh, typically have real jobs in the real world. Um, and are very much um, uh, in, on a, an outreach um, to tonight, for example. Uh, I'm going to um, uh, 
uh, the visit the Dominican sisters. Are you going up there tonight? I'll, I'll be going there tonight. There's a there's a talk on righteousness, which is uh, given by the Dominican sisters uh, uh, at the convent in um, in Cambridge on Huntingdon Road. There you go. Um, and um, it's uh, it's a I I love those uh, events. I mean, again, there's um, the element of hospitality. So we start off with uh, fellowship and a cup of tea and a biscuit or a piece of cake and uh, at a friendly chat. That's always uh, an icebreaker. Uh, yeah. Very enjoyable, very, very welcome. Uh, and then there'll be a talk given by one of the sisters, which is uh, excellent, absolutely uh, first class. I, I haven't haven't been to a bad one. I mean, they're, they're all uh, uh, very interesting and uh, an opportunity for discussion and question afterwards, followed by Compline, where we go into their chapel and uh, and and we say our uh, prayers for the evening, um, which um, uh, includes the uh, uh, the 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 Ave Maria, which uh, uh, I find uh, very moving, um, and uh, and and then we go home. There's a there's a a Wednesday evening, which uh, I believe is the um, uh, the third uh, Wednesday of every month. Mm. So um, that's something I, I very much in, enjoy going to. Also, the um, event that you and I go to every month, uh, Eddie, the the first Saturday uh, of the month, mm. uh, the lay Dominicans come together. Which for, I love. For, I for really a, look for forward day. to it. Me too. Yeah. Lo absolutely love it. And that is a, a day where we... Um, uh, so lay ah in answer completely answer to your question. Nice the, one. The third order. The, the, <laughs> I didn't have to say it myself. You said the third order is full the, circle. Is the lay Dominicans who are um, uh, people who uh, uh, work in the real world but uh, also have a, uh, a serious devotion to Christ um, and uh, are interested in um, drawing closer to Christ and deepening our knowledge in Christ mm. and in our. Um, uh, monthly meetings, we uh, uh, typically have a uh, a morning um, uh, study period, which might be a talk given by someone, uh, followed by mass, um, led by uh, our um, uh, spiritual director, Father Colin, uh, in in the uh, in 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 the the, the church there at uh, Blackfriars, which 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 is uh, very nice. Um, followed by lunch we have a communal lunch together so again there's this sort of element of fellowship which is mm. uh, very important and then in the afternoon there'll typically be um, uh, a second subject uh, possibly a second speaker a second discussion uh, followed by um, evening prayers uh, where we uh, we conclude uh, the day so um, mm. yeah, like you, I very much look forward to those uh, first Saturdays yeah. of the month. Yeah, I'll, I'm still in study mode with uh, Slater in the mornings as, as yourself. Yeah, so we me get in too. There a little, a little earlier. Than yeah, we have else, to go early because we're the uh, we're the, the novices. Yeah, we're the new boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I really love the way the day's structured. Yeah. Uh, I love the, I love the talks, and I love discussing the talks afterwards. Yes. Um, I remember Jill did one on the Book of Job, which was fascinating. Yes. Which I thought, mm, well, am, am I going to like this? But when we got into it and looked under the bonnet, as you say, there were some yeah. fascinating insights into uh, human psychology in there that was written so many Absolutely. thousands of years Absolutely. ago. It's all there. Read the Bible. <laughs> there you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> so what do you see the future as uh, a lady medical? What, what do you want well, to, what I've your got legacy? A, I've, got a, I've got a job. My my parish priest. So so I go to um, uh, my my Catholic parish is uh, Mildenhall uh, in West Suffolk, and my parish priest, Father Anthony, um, has given me a job as a catechist for um, adults. Okay, great. Um, and uh, I have a student, uh, and so I'm. He's somebody who's. Um, uh, uh, already baptized a Catholic, but he he didn't do his first confession, first Holy Communion, first conf and, and his confirmation. Uh, so I'm preparing him for those three 
sacraments. How do you find that? Is it quite a daunting oh, task? Or, well, yeah, it's, you know? it's kind of both both daunting, it's also exciting and interesting, mm. and uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot out of it. Um, I guess you have to do your homework for it because oh, you never know absolutely. when you're going to get a, a swerveball question. When, well, um... I've got a great, I've got a great, guide i've got a great book to work from which is um joseph retzinger's uh, compendium to the um catechism right. of the catholic church and we're going through that together and we each have a a, a a copy of the same edition of the same book so um uh he can uh say ah but you know this paragraph 238 you know what what do you what do you make of that? Or I'm not sure about that. Or can you explain such and such? And we will uh, have a discussion uh, on a on a particular theme and look at it dip in and out of uh, different part of parts of the compendium to the catechism. And it's um, a very enjoyable and interesting process. So my my next step after that will be to get um, DBS checked so that i can uh, extend that from adults to children because mm. of course for um if i'm going to be teaching um catechism to children then there are um there are other uh, I, I mean first of all for the i have to be dbs checked of course but but also um there there, there are going to be different ways of thinking about uh, how you teach the subject to children it's not going to be going into St. Thomas Aquinas and uh, uh, any, any of that uh, uh, difficult theology stuff. Mm. Um, so uh, I've got to give that some thought. But uh, that's, that's what I'd like to do next. Right, great. So you'd like to teach and pass mm. on the faith to young adults or and, and young people. I guess that's part of it, isn't it? Growing up, the, yeah. yeah, is to I mean, it's, pass it's, on. Yes, you've got to pass it on. I mean, I, 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 I want to... Um, learn for myself i'm sorry i'm interested in this uh, bachelor of divinity course um uh but it's that's not enough if you just sort of uh, keeping it to yourself it up and yeah then keep it to yourself yeah you've, you've, it becomes you've, selfish theology exactly exactly you've 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 got to share it mm. so um sharing it really is the uh, is where i want to go next with it yeah sharing the, the fruits of the contemplation as they say yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess we all try and do our bit. Obviously, me being a, a father of three boys, we you know we do it our way and um, and spread it out. Obviously, this radio station is a great instrument and tool to uh, evangelize evangelize the faith. Well, we're coming up to the end of the program now, Louis. But I just wanted to thank you very much for coming in, and I knew it'd be a a pleasant experience. But oh, I it feel always is. It so always is great we, pleasure. Yeah, and. Um, well, you know, we've had a chance to get to know each other better and uh, to delve a bit into your past. It's fascinating to talk on the on Malta and uh, gives me a real urge to get over there now. It's always been on my on my wish list, so perhaps uh, I'll, I'll make the effort and um, and go over and visit these uh, these wonderful you must places. Do. It's a great place. Great, great. Well, thanks again for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the radio at some stage soon. My pleasure. God bless.